At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. Bennett Kelly, welcome to another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. We're broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in sunny but a little chilly Southern California. And I want to welcome you to another show. We have a great show for you today. We have some interesting gentlemen calling in from Texas. And they are Art Saxby and Pete Hayes. They are the co-authors of the, of the book, The Growth Gears. And they're also the co-principals of the Chief Outsiders. And we're going to talk a little bit about what, what that means and their book, The Growth Gears. And um, so they're, they're both with us. We have show notes, as usual, available at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And um, check it out. It has details on both the book and both gentlemen, and as well as news updates of the day, including last night the Senate passed a the federal version of the what is known as the Clear Gear Law, and we'll talk a little bit more after uh, another break. So, without further ado, gentlemen, are you with us? Yes, we are. Thanks for having us. This is Art Thank Saxby, Pete Hayes, and so, um, how did you guys first meet? <laughs> Go, Art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started the uh, the company in two thousand nine, and the the concept was that. You know, there's an awful lot of chief marketing officers, people who are, you know, marketing executives who absolutely love what they do, but don't really want to go back and do it again, do another full-time gig at a Fortune 1000. They love the mid-market. They love getting their hands dirty and, and working with other companies. So I started in 2009 and, yep, in the, the depths of the recession. And networking, you know, met Pete Hayes. I'm in, in Houston, Pete's in Austin. And well, we both focus on marketing. We come from very different backgrounds. I came from consumer. Pete came from tech, and it was just a really complementary skill set. And you know, just going looking at your background, I mean, you've worked with companies as varied as LTV Aerospace and Defense and Frito Lay, Kellogg's, Coca Cola, and Compact. 
Absolutely. I started my career in finance, you know, understanding the, uh, the profitability of companies and driving profitability. And along the way, learned that while finance was great, you're an advisor to the king. Marketing was that white knight leading the charge, seeing an opportunity in the marketplace, aligning the organization and going at it. So I, I switched from finance in when I was at Frito-Lay into marketing and then, you know, stayed on that, that marketing track ever since. And, and Pete, are you calling in from Austin? Uh, yes, and and you you actually have a, a bit of a tech background working with IBM, AMD, and as well as a number of startups, and particularly in digital marketing. Can you tell us more about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm an engineer out of Berkeley and uh, started working with IBM in the, the kind of big iron days, but got pulled in when the when personal computer went crazy and networking and the internet um, got just pulled onto the marketing side because it just seemed like a lot more fun uh, and. You know, did a did a startup. If you remember the business land thing that happened, the seven years hit a billion dollars and was there for all of that. So it was it was a rush uh, being part of what was going on in tech. And then uh, when I got to Austin, I built an interactive agency, and we had clients like Motorola and IBM and 3M. And so we we were really early into uh, what was going on in the digital space uh, from an internet standpoint, and uh, just from there. Um, have continued to stay close to tech and close to marketing. So what, what, what led you to join Chief Outsiders? Well, you know, when you're a successful marketer and you've sat in the chair, uh, as a lot of people know that, that do the lead marketing role for companies, at some point um, there's going to be a change. And uh, when a CEO gets changed out or if the company takes another direction, you're typically looking for your next thing. And when you play that role, you, you kind of get tired of it. So the, the notion of, of helping smaller companies uh, where you can really, really make a big difference rather than, you know, taking a point of share here or there, but you can really double the company in maybe three to five years. Uh, it's just a lot more fun. So that I, that I wanted to get into consulting and I met Art and the Chief Outsiders model was, was just, under, just getting underway and it just looked like a really good fit. Now, so this year was February, I believe, the, your book came out. Um, the growth gears. Tell us what, what led you to write the book. You know, after working with, yeah, after working with mid-sized companies for, you know, eight years now, and we've actually, our, our team has been on the management team of over 300 companies in that time, not selling ad campaigns or strategy decks, really working as part of the leadership team to implement. We recognized that there was a, a real challenge that for mid-sized companies, there's often people who, who really run great companies, who develop great products, who, who manage great things, but often the best run companies have the hardest time growing. And it was really confusing at first, you know, working with these really smart people at great companies, but they were just stuck. And we actually did some research with the University of Texas with three market research professors to, to look at it. And we're able to recognize that there really are two types of CEOs, operationally focused CEOs who run great companies and market focused CEOs who are great at running, but are great at growing, but often don't run the companies well. But if we take those operationally focused companies and think about growth in a logical linear process, not just a cool, creative, wacky stuff, but a logical linear process, those companies have the highest opportunity to grow. That was really the, the focus of the book. Working with CEOs who have great products, who understand you know, their technical skills, run great companies, and helping them really drive the top line. So the two, the two prototypes, the great operational CEO and then you have the, the market-inspired or you know, the more market-driven CEO. 
And this is a, a, a saying that at first I, I always thought made zero sense until I actually worked at a startup and I, I saw it firsthand. You know, there's that famous saying, growth can kill a company. Yep. Is, is that more with the, the market-driven versus the operational CEO? Yeah, there's where we say that often the best-run companies have the hardest time growing. So often the fastest-growing companies have the hardest time running. <laughs> you know, a company that is just saying, we got it, we know what's going to happen, we know what's, what the technology that's going to be out there in nine months, and they're so worried about nine months that they don't solve the problem of today and deliver on time and provide good customer service today. They don't, they don't stop and run the company. And often those company you know, personas are based on the CEO and the leadership team they bring in. And they're often, especially in an early stage, a CEO will bring in people just like themselves. And, and they end up being really operationally focused or really market focused. And it's when they can combine the two, that's when the magic happens. And when people call you, is, is that because, is, is it often because they realize I'm either Mr. Um, operational or Mr. Marketing and, and I need someone to counter that? Or how, how does that happen? I'd say it's a little more balance than counter. Because the idea is that, um, you know, out of our 56 chief marketing officers who work full-time for us, we'll try and figure out who is the right CMO to work with that company. Now, that company often can't afford to hire them full-time, but that's where they working with us. Through us, they, they work as a part-time member of the staff. So sometimes we've got, you know, a great visionary CEO, but they have trouble getting things done. So we need someone who's who has the experience, who's been that VP of marketing, but really knows how to take those visions and make it happen. Oftentimes right. slow the CEO down a little bit, often go back and say, we've got to really look at the product development plan and the roadmap, and we've got to finish some of these things before we move on. You know, in, in other times, there's companies that run really, really well, but they've lost track of the market and the market needs, and they're pushing a product that maybe their customers don't really need or want, or they don't know why, they don't know how to market the product. So it's, it's usually one of the two, but, you know, it's, it's a balance to the CEO, not, a, not stopping the CEO. Right. So getting back to the book, um, the, the key premise, and you, you, you kind of started off with, you know, why, as you said earlier, why do the best run companies often have the hardest time growing? You know, what, what are the key takeaways from this book? Pete, you want to take that? Well, uh, it starts with that research. Uh, so the, the first, the first thing the book does, and by the way, you asked what the purpose of the book, the, the, what we tried to do is to take all these years of experience and digest it down into something that could be easily and quickly, uh, digested. So, uh, a CEO and frankly, their management team could take steps, you know, you know, with or without outside help is, is the whole point of the book. Uh, but the, the takeaway of the book is, if you have one orientation or another, you have blind spots. So how do you typically, and by the way, in the mid-market that, that really where this book is targeted, companies from a very early stage up to say three to $500 million, most of those businesses are run by uh, operationally oriented executives. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, As an example, you see an engineering firm. Well, the guy was started by an engineer. And then he has another engineer and the sales guy's an engineer. The HR person ends up being an engineer and the finance guy's an engineer and the whole company is a bunch of engineers. Well, they're very good at engineering and they may be good at managing a business, but they are often have blind spots relative to getting themselves aligned to the marketplace. So the recognition of that is, is really the first takeaway. 
and and then and then the probably the most important thing in addition to that is that if you want to grow there's a series of, of, of simple steps and orientations you can take. And those are the three gears in the growth gears. The first one is that you need to get the insight to align the business strategy to what's going on in the marketplace. The second is that strategy. So how are you, how are you going to go to market? Um, what are the products and services? How are they featured? How are they positioned? And then the last gear is execution, which is what we typically think of as marketing. Um, you know, your, your website, your, your trade shows and your, your social media and, and all the things you're going to execute on to go get customers and, and, and make sales happen. So, so if the takeaway is, is how am I oriented? And then I guess I can apply this linear approach to, to bringing really, frankly, a marketing kinds of stuff into my operations. So I get the best of both worlds. So let's talk about that conversation. You have the, the CEO and you're telling him to, to look at the market, to, get, to look at what the data says as to how we should be positioning ourselves. And it, do you ever get pushback saying, well, you know, I, I've been in this market. I, I Trust me, I know it. I spent my whole life here. Or? Yeah, every time. <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't a dumb question. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, I once asked the CEO, I said, in your management team meetings, how much time do you spend focused talking on your company, your customers, and your competitors? And the guy looked at me and thought just about what you're thinking. And he said, well, besides the family, sports, and weather, what else is there to talk about? You know, the, the question isn't talking about or thinking about those things. As in, I've been in this market. I know the market. Right. It's the perspective. It's not you selling at the customer. It's being able to put yourself in the perspective of the customer. What's it take to run that customer's business? What drives that customer's profitability? Why would they care about your product? Why would they think your product or service is different or better than a competitor's product? Then put yourself in the competitor place. What are they doing? What are they trying? What are they actually good about? And even in your own company, looking at your own company in a different way. So it's um, it's bringing a different perspective into the management team. And that's what's often kind of so exciting about it, that we can, we can sit with the management team and lead conversations where we're not, we're not telling them what to do with their company. It's their company, obviously. But we can lead conversations, bring in, ex- in additional insights, data, ask things differently, do research, where the management team says, oh, now we see what we ought to be doing. Now we see the market segment we should be going after, how we should modify the product or the service or the price or the bundle or the channel, because now we see what we should be doing. Right. Now, in working in the digital media space, or in, let's just maybe make it more general, in, in, in some of the, the Internet space, you know, I understand that there's you know, some, some Internet companies, because of their, just the nature of what they're offering, they are engineering focused, but a lot of them generally are just kind of niche ways of you know marketing or you know repackaging something that's already out there, and and so I'm wondering in in your focus in dealing in in this space in particular, are you, you know we talk about this whole continuum of the the operational CEO versus the marketing CEO? You know, where, where do you find people online and generally in in e-commerce? Um, where do they fall in that spectrum? It's it's a little bit it's it's a really good question, but uh, in in general, very broad. <laughs> well, and and to, to your 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 initial uh, observation is that you know typically these folks are coming out of an engineering 
they know how to build stuff with technology, right? right? They're, yeah. they're digital developers. But if they spend their whole career doing that, and now they've risen to the point of building or growing or leading a company in information technology, there's a really good chance that, they, that they've spent, frankly, most of their entire career looking out the window, you know, so they're, cause they're watching the next thing, you know, what, what's going to happen, you know, what's, you know, the cloud's doing this and SaaS apps are doing that and, and, right. and we're people pivoting and what's, what's now going to enter. And, and now that everything's, you know, hosted by third parties and, and, and on and on. And so they're, they're looking out, they're watching those movements. So very often we see that the tech executives actually, they do a pretty good uh, job of looking out the window. The, but as you pointed out earlier, sometimes the blind spot is that the assumptions you make in your, in your perceptions of what's going on in the market rather than the market's perceptions of itself in the market's perceptions of how you might help them rather than your perception of how you might help them. And that's a yeah. good point. Go ahead. Right. The other thing that we found, quite frankly, is is there are really good market-focused marketing CEOs leading and driving, you know, tech and and especially, you know, that that front-end business. But I've had conversations with several of them who said, you know, I now have a different job to do. Now I'm the CEO of a company, and I've got to be running the company, and I don't have time to be doing that other stuff. I don't, you know, if you could clone me, that'd be great because boy, am I a great marketer, and I got us where we are, but you know, the things that I need to spend my day doing now, you know, I, I can't do it. I have a new job, the new job as a CEO. And you've probably seen that many, many times as companies scale. You know, the, the, the guy who go. starts a company is chief yeah. cook and bottle wash. And then he's going to have to let go of this and focus on that and then let go of this. And at some point, That's even hard. those really good marketing ones are like, I, I, I can't do it all. Either I hire a CEO or I become a CEO that's that's an important point, and then and you do see that in evolution. Um, but speaking of evolution, we're going to evolve into a short commercial break. Um, this is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to the Cyber Law Business Report only on Cranberry Radio. We'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. 
It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Cranberry Radio. Online anytime at cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the and Cyber Law and back. Business Report. Ben here is Bennett Kelly. Report. And we're talking with Art Saxby and Pete Hayes, the outsiders and the, the chief outsiders, I should say. And um, so <laughs> we were talking before the break really about the importance of, at some point, the uh, growing company CEO to recognize I have one job, and that is to be CEO. Uh, I, I can't do everything. I have to entrust this to someone. And and that's a challenge, I imagine, if you're, especially on the smaller side, because maybe you can't hire a marketing officer who you trust, who you know, has the same expertise to the standards that you you would have. And, and so that there's probably this kind of almost like five stages of grief type of thing of letting go and, and hiring or, or bringing someone in to do that. And, and I'm sure you guys have a lot of experience and, and that's, that's often when you get called in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that process of how uh, a CEO kind of finally recognizes that he needs help, but you're the solution since maybe a full-time one isn't. Yeah, that just, really is I'll, our, I'll our just, business model. I have to, and I just have to say, it's usually we, what we witness are the five stages of relief. To <laughs> 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 go ahead, Art. Yeah, that that really is our business model. That there's there's companies out there that are, are are very well run. They've got a great CEO, good leadership team, but they need someone to help them get to the next level. Not sell them an ad campaign or a strategy deck or a website, but for most of those companies. You know, it doesn't make sense for them to hire a full-time executive-level VP of marketing. You know, sometimes it's it's beyond their financial reach to attract and hire that person. Sometimes that skill set is really needed now, but it won't be in a year. You know, the skills to create and develop something are different than the skills to run it once it's there. And so, with our our model, our our folks, our 56 chief marketing officers, work full-time for us. But when they work with a the client, they generally work as a part-time member of the CEO staff. You know, if they don't get sucked into the day-to-day fire drills, they don't need to be there every day, all day. Right. They need to be working as part of the staff over six to 12 months to hands-on implement. So if you've got a $20 million software firm, you know, there's no way you could hire away the, the senior VP general manager of marketing at Microsoft. Well, we happen to have someone who had, had that title. And, you know, they can work as a part-time member of the staff. Now that company can afford it that's a really senior person. And when they're focused on the business, it's really good, strong implementation, good, strong strategy. But it's also easy on, easy off. They can bring them in, get that, help them figure out how to move in that next market, make it happen, and then then fade away. So with 56 chief marketing officers, they come from a very broad variety of industries. But literally, you know, technology is is probably our biggest segment. And I can see why. But is one of the benefits, and, and it may not have actually been part of the, the design of your, your, your strategy, but is one of the benefits really that um, the, the, the person coming in doesn't have the, quote, corporate blinders? Absolutely. You know, they, they, 
they can come in with a, a fresh set of eyes, sometimes coming from completely different industries. You know, when we talk to a client, we'll try and figure out who is the right CMO to fit on best on that project. Sometimes someone from that industry who understands that technology is the best fit. Sometimes, however, the best fit is someone who solved that business problem in a very different industry. Someone who can look at it from a completely different way, but say, you know, I've seen this three times in three different industries, and here's what we have to watch out for. Here's the way we're gonna, we can go about coming, you know, getting to an answer and making it happen. And there's value in that. Go ahead. I was going to add to that another thing that's a real difference from having a full-time hire is that since this person's going to go away eventually, they're in a position to take organizational risk. So they're going to they're going to level with people on on things that might be politically incorrect to say or to share. Uh, but you can, you can call things out and you say, gosh, it looks like we're not really addressing. Oh my gosh, don't bring that up. That's a, you know, that's the elephant in the room. Well, it gets brought up and it gets dealt with. Right. And as a result, you can, you can move a lot faster because you build a more trusted environment that way. So you, your clients have uh, a reduced level of elephant sightings. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's, it's speaking of it's transitioning to that, one of your success stories is uh, the venerable, um, newspaper, the Dallas Morning News, and 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 it seems like in that case that you know they you help them solve a problem that they they the solution made sense to them, but they, they just couldn't see it e- even though it was right in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great example of eyes from outside an industry. Now, I'm I'm sure knowing your audience. You know, when you say Dallas Morning News, they roll their eyes and they go, my gosh, is there a more backwards industry than a major city daily print newspaper? Well, I agree with that. And the challenge the Dallas Morning News had is the last thing they needed was someone from the newspaper industry to help them. You know, that's not the type of new thinking you need in the newspaper industry. So the, the person working on the project, they were looking at how do they generate more sales in their, their single unit sales at, at grocery stores, you know, at, at newsstands, at, at convenience stores. So rather than approaching at it from a newspaper standpoint, you know, the chief marketing officer on it, Matt Benner, um, approach it from a consumer standpoint. If you're trying to sell hot dogs, if you're trying to sell, you know, candy bars at a convenience store, if you're trying to sell shampoo, what lessons do you use and how do you market this differently and it really was taking, you know, retail marketing expertise and applying it to the newspapers and starting with the data. Let's look at sales per store and then the stores it does real well at. Where is it positioned and how do we position? Now, how do we take that data back to the retailer and show the retailer that if you move the, move the display from here to there and you do this and that. And literally, we had a, a, a huge increase in the amount of unit sales on something as, as backward as a major city daily newspaper. But that, that insights can also be used in technology. Sometimes people in technology think, you know, we are, we're selling this technology and no, the thing that matters is someone who understands this technology. When quite frankly, if, if your company doesn't have enough knowledge in that area, that may be true. But if your company is strong in that area, you may be best suited, best suited by bringing someone in who brings in very different skill sets from a different industry. Right. You're not selling technology. You're selling a service. You know, yep. You're selling value. You're selling time saving. You're selling. You're selling something. You know, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, I think just understanding how the end user is seeing the product or the, the service can can be very important. 
it's also kind of what makes our business fun because um, the the amazing people that we have working for us. You know, can you imagine you're in a, in a group of marketers and you go, okay, we got a project with the day, the you know the Dallas Morning News, and if you're successful, it'll really help your res, you know your reputation. If you fail, it's really going to hurt it. How many people are going to jump up and go, oh yeah, me me me? Right. Well, we yeah, we got some people. Based in Dallas, right? Or, we're based in Houston, but you know I've lived in Dallas. Dallas. We okay. you know we understand it. Um, so, but Matt Benner happens to be one of the guys in our team who just loves what I refer to as a strategic furball. He, if the messier it is, the harder, the more complicated, that's what he loves. You know, he loves just getting in there and going, we got to do something really, really different where we've got other people that are just absolutely love, you know, metrics and marketing automation and lead generation. And we can get a person on a project where they love it. Man, it's, it's, you know, release the hounds. They are just passionate about this. That's great. Now, I was at, having worked in tech, I can say that I could probably wallpaper a few rooms with options that are of less value, <laughs> less value than the paper. And, in, and one in particular that stands out was I remember the CEO having regular meetings and he seemed like almost monthly we would have an all-hands call and he would say, okay, today we are a this company. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, that's good. Let's do that. And then a month later, okay, now today we are uh, this company, which was definitely different from what we were a month ago. And, and it just, this may have been, this was a case where growth skills, the company we went to a lot of different verticals and, you know, we kept redefining what exactly it was that we, we were. Um, how often do you encounter that? You know, to some extent, actually, pretty often, um, focus is a magical word, and you know, it's it's that can be one of the benefits of having that that outside executive who can stand up and you know not stand up in the meeting, but sit with the CEO on the side and say, okay, you know, we need to focus. What are we going to be? What's the data? You know, what's it going to take to implement? How can we make it happen? When you know, you may have been in that management team where everyone just went, okay, here we go again. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but someone who so, already who's also working on the management team at two other companies, you know, if the guy says, "Get out of my office, you're fired," it's like, okay. You know, I can I can re- recall several times where the value we brought was exactly kind of shaving off some of the fur uh, of the fur ball. Uh, in one case, <laughs> in one case, I remember uh, two weeks into an engagement, uh, this this company was in hospital furniture equipment and such. And the CMO identified, why, why are we in that product line? And they go, well, because we've always been in that product line. And, and they saved, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars by killing it because they weren't making sales in it and was taking up, you know, capacity and just it was a distraction. Uh, and other cases uh, with services and software uh, firms that we've worked with, I'm thinking of one in Austin, uh, they, they were serving maybe five different constituents. This is a company less than $10 million. They were serving five different buyer types with a, with a portfolio of products that, that it was kind of like, to your point, uh, the CEO would say, and this is the priority this quarter, and this is the priority that quarter. And uh, they had their salespeople and their support people and their product people and their, the website people were maintaining like three or four different websites trying to support all these different initiatives for all these different customers. And, and so the value that was created was identifying, well, where should we focus and where, where is the opportunity and what are we going to do for this next year that is really going to make a difference? 
And it, it seems to be that the starting point for, for the chief outsiders is data. Is that, that over Yeah, that first gear in the growth gears is insight. Yeah. You know, it's understand the market from the customer's perspective. And sometimes that can be, you know, very highly data driven with research and understand the competitive set and then also understand yourself. But if it's, you know, if it's, I've got a great idea and you've got a great idea, then who has the most stripes? I guess your idea wins. will do that. But if it is data and insight and you can sit with the management team and say, you know, look, we've learned this and we've learned this and we've learned this and here's the data. Now, how are we going to make a decision based on that? You know, it, it isn't just who's got a bright idea because, you know, right. marketing by inspiration is, is just a, a waste of, you know, waste of funds, waste of effort. And with companies, if they go off the wrong thing, a mid-sized company, a small company that charges down the wrong path for a year that's a huge miss if they didn't get it right. And right. If it was just because somebody thought that would be good, you know, that's an expensive miss. Big miss, yes. And do you have, like, you find certain mantras? I mean, I know as a lawyer, uh, I find there's certain phrases that I, I repeat. I just, you know, I'm aware that I, I repeat this a lot because it, it's relevant to the space I'm in. And, and, and the, these are phrases actually that you can repeat on the air. Um, I'm talking about, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and what's your favorite one? <laughs> oh, you know, I deal a lot with cyber harassment, and you know, and I, I often kind of come back to the whole point that you know, the criminal mind is is not necessarily a, a compliment, and that uh, those type of people usually do make mistakes, and they're going to make them again, and so. Um, that's something I come back to. There's actually a scene in Body Heat, the 1980s movie um, with William Hurt. And it was Kathleen, I don't know if you remember it, but it was Kathleen Turner's breakout. And um, he actually goes to, he's a, early in the movie, he represents Mickey Rourke and, um, in a criminal case. And he gets him off. And then later in the, in the movie, he's going back to him getting advice on how to make a bomb. And Mickey Rourke flips the relationship and, and repeats back to him his advice to him. And um, Mickey Rourke says, you know, a wise guy once told me, anytime you go to commit a crime, there's 15 mistakes you can make. And if you're a genius, you think of 20 of them. And trust me on this one, but you're no genius. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've used that a lot. And, um, and I actually got the opportunity to meet the director and tell him this story. Because even on issues like compliance, you know, it's not like you have to be have a criminal mind, but if you if you think you can, you know, shave it or cut close to something, um, you may not necessarily thought of all the variables. And not only that, you're, you're counting on you thinking of all the variables and everyone else executing care, you know, exactly according to plan. And we and we know in life that doesn't happen. You, you know, one of my favorites is often the best marketing is done with no marketing dollars. You know, marketing is not about the things you spend money on. It's about understanding the market segment you should be going after, what they care about, how do you modify your product, your service, your price, your bundle, your channel to get there, and then get your organization focused on meeting that customer demand. You know, it's, it's not That's the true. website. It's not the brochure. It's not the things in the marketing budget. The best marketing doesn't take marketing dollars. It takes effort. It's interesting you say that. My, my wife is uh, in marketing, and I actually stole her, one of her favorite quotes the other day. And it, her her mantra was always, 
the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's simple, but in some ways, often that's not the case. I might borrow that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you, you always run astray and you're always talking about something that is part of the implementation, but you're getting distracted from your core mission. And it's so easy, especially in technology, because when, when you're in tech, you know, cloud-based services and, and SaaS, you, you're so familiar with all the new ways of using technology to market. Maybe you're not familiar with all of them, but you know there's a bunch. And, you know they're, and so you're looking for that next kind of shiny thing. Like if we could just get our AdWords working better, or if we could make LinkedIn and Facebook work better, and, and, and we could just get this remarketing thing happening. And so you'll end up with that phone call and, you know, you guys do marketing. Well, can you help us fix our stuff? And, uh, and, and when you get to the execution point, you know, what you're actually looking for is not necessarily the, the shiny next little thing that maybe you need to tweak to get working better. You're actually just finding a way to make your go-to-market stuff, the stuff you are going to spend money on, more efficient. Because you can spend money all day long if you've got endless amounts of money, but if you're not getting a return on what you're spending, you know, that's where the problem is. And that's where people think they have marketing problems. Is to, and, and to Art's point, so often we find that have, having a, a, a little bit more of a conversation, you kind of back up in these gears that we've constructed where this execution is actually the third gear. But in order to make it efficient, you've got to get the strategy thing nailed because that's where you get effectiveness is out of the strategy thing. And in order to get the right strategy, you pull that knowledge from the insight. And now you're going to get the right strategy with the right routes to market and the right channels and the right value propositions and the right packages and bundles and pricing and so forth. Uh, and, and that's how those things all work together. But the conversations typically start around the, kind of the shiny, frankly, very tech-driven uh, go-to-market things. So and we, the we, phrase we often use is random acts of marketing. I like that. Uh, there's, there's people out there saying, hey, we got this product. Hey, you, you go do something. And they might be good things, but they're just random acts of marketing. Well, um, not so random is the fact that we're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, um, we, we want you to tell people where they can find more about your company and your book. And um, then we'll do some news updates. But um, this is Ben and Kelly. You're listening to the Cyberlong Business Report. Only on Cranberry Radio. We'll be back and signing off after a few minutes. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix 
So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Check out some new favorite podcasts now at cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back. Um, thank you for, for staying with us for our final segment of Cyber Law and Business Report. And... Uh, we're talking with Art and Pete here on the um, the Chief Outsiders and their their book, and um, we want to thank you for for joining us. It's been really instructive and, and talking about uh, just ways that your businesses can kind of refocus and grow. And you, know, you guys offer a great model for businesses to kind of get top level advice and in, in ways that you know startups really generally can't afford. So. Uh, I think that's a, a great you guys got for a, a great opportunity that uh, clearly you're seizing because you're one of what is it one of Inc's top five thousand growing companies or something. The last three years, yep. So congratulations on that. So if if people want to learn more about each of you or the book or Chief Outsiders, where, where should they go? Sure. Well, you, you can go to growthgears dot com and get the first chapter and intro of the book for free. So that's a good place to start. Of course, it's available on all the the outlets such as Amazon and so forth and in audio format as well. But go to growthgears.com to get that. And uh, if you'd like to reach out to Art or myself, uh, our handles on Twitter are at Art Saxby, S-A-X-B-Y, and at Pete Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. And do you guys have anything coming up you want to just shout out about or – you know, we have 56 CMOs that are speaking typically to small groups of CEOs all over the country. So if anybody is interested in catching up with one of our groups uh, in one of those discussions, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll point you in the right direction or visit our, our webpage at cheapoutsiders.com uh, slash events. All right, yeah, and gentlemen. if anyone wants a, someone to speak on, on marketing, on growth to, to a business group, like I said, we've got you know, 56 really accomplished chief marketing officers from a really broad variety of industries so they can talk about just about any topic. And and, and I and actually uh, let me second that for a minute. Um, I've I've met these not these gentlemen, but I met their team at um, they were sponsors of Silicon Beach Fest, and they're very knowledgeable, very engaging people. So as as were these two gentlemen. So definitely um, check them out. Um, then they clearly know what they're talking about, and and have a success story to to talk about. So gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank, well, thank you. you. It was a great show. Thank you been so a, much, Bert. Been a pleasure. So um, we want to cover some news updates of what's going on out there in the in the world of cyberspace. And um, but 
Thanks again to um, Art Saxby and Pete Hayes, and the book is The Growth Gears. Um, we have some news developments, and I mentioned briefly that the, what is often called the Clear Gear Law and has passed the Senate and is now heading to uh, President Obama's desk for signature. And what is a Clear Gear Law? Well, it stems from an incident back a few years where a consumer tried to purchase something from this novelty website called Clear Gear. And they had some problems with it and had pretty poor customer service response. So they, they, they posted some review online that was critical of Cleargear. Well, Cleargear and their terms and conditions apparently had something that said, if you disparage us, we can fine you a certain amount. And so they immediately sent these guys a bill. And then when the bill wasn't paid, they sent it to the credit report agency that they had outstanding bills. Well, a couple of nuances here that were important to be aware of. One is that those terms and conditions that allowed for them to assess the fine um, were went into effect after that these consumers had actually dealt with them, so they weren't bound by them. And uh, so, what? But by doing this, um, they impaired the the consumer's credit. And this is total movie of the week stuff. They actually in the middle of Minnesota, middle of winter, the boiler breaks. They can't get a new boiler. They can't get financing for a new boiler because, you guessed it, um, the, the bad credit report um, from Cleargear. So ultimately, they sue and um, in California, and Cleargear decides not to defend, and basically the company, uh, they end up getting a, a six-figure judgment against Cleargear, and Cleargear is uniform, universally... Um, now known for this event rather than for its own products and services, which, uh, again, is a, a lesson in itself. So California passed a law that basically said, you know, you can't restrict, and became known as a clear gear law, it says you, you can't restrict consumers from posting reviews of your services online. And that law is now going um, federal. The Consumer Review Fairness Act um, was passed with unanimous consent by the Senate last night. And uh, it prohibits any contracts that prohibit or restrict the ability of an individual who's a party to a form contract to engage in covered communications, which basically means reviews or other assessments of your services. So that should be signed and now be a federal law. Um, in addition, here's, um, you know, obviously Canada has a different federal structure, constitutional structure, but uh, I imagine they still have a they still have some provision about cruel and unusual punishment, as our Constitution does. And so this has become a matter of debate. In Canada, the Kensington Police Service, uh, which is part of the province of Prince Edward Island, uh, has announced on Facebook that, here's a, this is a quote, those dumb enough to feel they can drink and drive for the remainder of the year will not only be subject to a hefty fine, but and a one year's driving suspension and a criminal charge. All right, so those three things are serious enough. But here's what they take it one level. But also, and this is a quote, a bonus gift of playing the office's copy of Nickelback and the cruiser on the way to jail. <laughs> so some people really felt that that was just going a step too far. But um, event, it's gotten them a lot of publicity for, for doing so. Um, a couple of other shout outs and announcements. The ABA just announced its annual Blog 100, and um, that's B-L-A-W-G. It's not me saying blog with a Boston accent. And 
as usual, a number of our guests have blogs listed on that um, directory, and uh, one of them is uh, is Lawfare, and we had Jill Hennessy, um, the, the editor of that, on earlier this year. And the other is a, a good friend of ours, Eric Goldman, and his technology and marketing and law blogs uh, was named to the Blog Hall of Fame. So congratulations, Eric. Definitely a well-deserved. It's a, it's a must-read blog if you're in this space, and I recommend it. Also, um, on Giving Tuesday, we, we gave some shout-outs to a couple of our uh, you know, nonprofit guests, um, in particular, um, you know, in this age of Trump, if you want to promote you know, online freedom, um, we recommended um, giving to the EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, and uh, Reporters Without Borders. I think they're going to be playing critical roles in, in the months ahead. And so um, check out our blog on that. In addition, we're always committed to fighting online harassment. We've had a number of shows on it. So we highlighted the Tyler Clementi Foundation, uh, which now you know, has a, a, an institute on dealing with some in, in a clinic at New York Law School to address cyber harassment, um, the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, and we just had Marianne Franks on just a few weeks ago, and working to haul online abuse, Jane Hitchcock. She has a new book out that you can now pre-order, and we'll have her on after the new year to talk about that book. Um, also, coming attractions, we have um, coming up, we have a couple of our Miami Book Fair authors, Michael Cohen, author of American Maelstrom, is next week. And the week after is Ari Berman, who's the author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. And then we close out the year with our annual Heroes and Zero segment with our favorite Dan Tynan and Brenda Christensen. So um, two other quick shout outs. Um, 34 years ago today, Michael Jackson released Thriller. And uh, if you're of a certain age, you know how significant that album was. You heard hit after hit after hit from those from that album, and, and many of them you've heard over and over. Um, I, I think just saying that, if you're a certain age, just saying the word thriller evokes certain um, sounds in your head, whether it's Beat It or Billie Jean or um, you know, even Thriller itself. Finally, um, Saturday was a big day um, for our family here at Cyberlaw Biz Report. It was the birthday of our producer, Brasco um, Jorge Hamida. And uh, we want to say happy birthday to him and thank him for all his hard work. Uh, but it was also a very significant birthday for him as a Cuban-American since uh, before he went to bed, um, Fidel Castro um, died, and which was a, a big event in the South Florida community. Jorge, do you want to say anything about that? And I'm very happy to see that happen. I mean, anybody that really can say anything about, wants to try to romanticize or say anything good about this man, you could talk to my family. You can go to a Cuban prison and take a trip over there and find out for yourself. This guy was a tyrannical ruler. He did a lot of damage to my family and a lot of families like mine. And I have no good, nothing good to say about him. I mean, good riddance. I think, you know, and I know a lot of people will say that he brought health care and he educated the people and. Life expectancy is better, sure, and that may be true, but the same is true of, of, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, when, you know, he had the choice of, as things, these things hadn't been accomplished, he had achieved healthcare, he achieved literacy, he still retained that, that great, that tight, repressive grip on power, and so, at the end of the day, he, you know, he, he, he dies a dictator, that's how I would view it, so, um, definitely, it's a historic moment, I mean, 
I, I hope though that our our rapprochement and re-engagement with Cuba continues. You know, it just seemed, as Jimmy Carter once said, just seems almost un-American that Americans can't go somewhere. I mean, I recognize that some places like North Korea, which I actually I think you can go, but it's very restricted. But um, I, I hope that we still can go to Cuba. And uh, because if you look at what happened in the fall of the Soviet Union and even in China, you know, our engagement has an influence you know we're able to influence those nations because of us being being there having access to our media our people our products and so you know, never don't underestimate the influence of that so um welcome back to everyone i hope you had a wonderful thanksgiving and um, i hope you considered all your options on giving tuesday and as always it's tis the season this is a good time to you know, be generous to those around you, to your loved ones and those of need. And so, um, but next week we'll be back with another edition of the Cyberlaw Biz Report. Be sure to check out our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress. Check us out on Twitter at cyberlawradio. And as always, this is Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center. Check us out at the internetlawcenter.net. We're here to help you out with your internet law needs. Have a great week. We'll be back here for another edition of Cyberlaw Biz Report next week. Um, stay, stay tuned until then and have a great week. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.